Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now we are a proud member of the 143 podcast network How's it going, everybody? This is Joey Galvez, and you are listening to the House of Indie Podcast. This week, I have a great guest on the line. I have Greg Anderson. Elise, how's it going, man? I'm good, man. How you doing? I'm doing wonderful. I, I always, <laughs> always kind of stumble over your name. I hope I said it right. You actually said it right. Awesome. Um, <laughs> a lot of people usually have to ask me right before, like, how do you say your name? But uh, yeah, you got it. Perfect, man. That's awesome. <laughs> so you, uh, you've you done a few different things, and the, the one that everybody knows you about uh, from is, is, is Nana, right? Yeah, it's Nana the Were-Spider. Yeah. So uh, you know what? The, I, I've heard about this book so much. Um, I've been meaning to grab a copy of my own, but man, I can't find it anywhere right now. Uh, you should have you let me know, man. Contact me. I, it's on my web. Everything. See, and that's and that's probably why I haven't checked because I have not gone to your website. But that's awesome. We'll drop all that stuff at the end because I, I want people to be able to find it. I when uh, I, I I see all my friends, they're always talking about this. We I've, I've spoken to a couple different people. You've had some people um, do some really cool stuff on that one as well. But you're coming out. We've got another one in Kickstarter right now as we speak. Right? Yeah, yeah. Literally just funded not too long ago. Awesome. So, so so it's completely funded? Yeah, that's what it <laughs> it looks like I haven't announced it yet, but yeah. Um <laughs> I got the email and I looked at the, the campaign. I was like, oh dope. That's <laughs> awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, I'm gonna drop this episode. I already dropped an episode uh this week, but because because uh you have this this book coming out and it's such a big huge one and, and I looked through the uh the Kickstarter that you, you got there. And I was so excited about this one because it kind of touched home a little bit, man. Back in the day, I had a handful of uh, friends who were like B-boys and B-girls and stuff like that. And we'd go to like hip hop shows and and it's it was a big, huge thing back in the day, dude. And 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 I this one was really, really, really cool because uh, there's a couple of things in here as well that that uh, kind of um, parallel what's going on in the world right now as well. Um, so tell us a little bit about, uh, it's not a, uh, showtime it's called, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, generally the, the series is not, it's based off the stories of a non spider and, um, it follows his son. And what I like to do with the series is use it as a way to introduce people to more black mythological gods and heroes, mm. uh, from various cultures. Uh, they could be from mythology, spirituality, folklore. And stuff like that, just to showcase that we have our own gods and heroes that we could also draw stories from. Because, yeah. you know, we're not really 
uh, educated in school, it's usually uh, European uh, gods and fairy tales yeah. and so on and so forth. And uh, with Showtime, I specifically uh, wanted to focus on the coming of age aspect of the character mm-hmm. where he gets to finally meet uh, kids his age and sort of uh, bond while also uh, tackling aspects that is uh, black culture, such as uh, hip hop and, and dance and, uh, you know, a lot of that uh, that break dancing yeah. type of stuff. So it still goes in line with what I'm trying to do with um, Isnana and the, and the context and themes. And uh, the aspect of um, he ends up dealing with race for the first time. Yeah. You know, and I felt it it needed, I finally needed to address the fact that he is, um, his form is of, is of, is of a black kid, mm-hmm. you know, um, even though he's a spider from his universe. But the fact that he looks like a black kid, he's going to deal with the, the realities of racism. And uh, one of the unfortunate things was I actually wrote this script about two years ago. Oh, wow. Um, two, three years ago. So, and it's unfortunate that, uh, that those scenes is still insanely relevant with uh, literally what's going on right now. Yeah, it's it's absolutely crazy. When I was reading this portion of the book, um, I got to tell you, man, it, it hit. I don't want to say that it hit home, but it definitely it got me. And and I, I, I and I'm going to tell the truth, man. I teared up reading that portion because we see this crazy stuff going on in the world right now. And it's completely inf- unfortunate. <clears throat> it's unfortunate that we see this uh, thing happening to people of color. Myself, I, I, I am a Mexican. Uh, I'm a Hispanic. And and I've had things like this happen to me where I've been slammed to the ground, uh, you know, after police asked me. Uh, for my ID and I reach for it and they grab me and slam me to the ground, you know, and, and it's absolutely crazy. But, but this, but this is what is prevalent in the world and it has never, uh, it's, it's always been there. And, uh, and I don't want to, I don't want to get too much, too far into this conversation, but it's, it's been prevalent in, in our world and uh, people of color for such a long time. And it's completely unfortunate and, and racism. We have to, we have to face it. I've been, uh, you know, I've been a, a victim of racism since an early age. I was even what's unfortunate for the, for the form of racism that I, I endured was I got it from, uh, from my own, uh, Mexican culture and, uh, people of who were not of color. So it's, it's, it's out there, man. And it, and it comes in many different forms and it's completely outrageous, uh, that we can, that, that it still happens today. Yeah. It's very unfortunate. You know, um, I know when, when the whole situation with Floyd, with George Floyd happened, seeing how many of my peers, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, really going through it, you know, a lot of us couldn't quite work because we just, our minds, we, we were just exhausted. Yeah. You know? And that's, I feel like that's the thing that a lot of people, um, especially when they don't deal with with it themselves, you mm-hmm. know, when they're very privileged, they don't really realize just how traumatic it is. Like it stays in your head. Yeah. You know, it just builds and builds. It's like a, it's like a growing tumor, Yeah, you know, um, and, and all the anxiety that comes with it, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I had to actually quit um, a gig that I had because I just felt like it was going on and the person just kept asking of so many things. It was just like, okay, you have no idea like what 
I'm dealing with mentally dealing with all this stuff, you know, it's mm-hmm. just like, give me a break, <laughs> you know, and I had to say peace. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a huge thing that we have to deal with every day. And, and I, I, I frankly, I don't even know what the answer is to it. You know, I don't know how we're, how it's gonna, gonna go from here. Uh, I, I would hope to say that it would get, uh, get better for, for everybody who's felt, uh, you know, the brunt of racism. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how, how we can see what's going to be happening on the other side of that tunnel there. Um, but why did you put it in this book? You wanted to put, show us, um, this portion of this book. Why was it so prevalent in your mind that you had to write about it? Well, I feel like, um, it's the reality of being, especially being a black youth mm-hmm. in uh, a city like New York city. You know, so it's it's implied, even though I don't really state it, but it's implied that this story takes place in New York City. Okay. And yeah. when you're having a group of um, black dancers of, of uh, dancers of color, mm-hmm. they deal with things on a regular. And even like the aspect of showtime dancing, it's actually um, it's it's you know, these children. They're they're going against like the the quote unquote law because they don't want you dancing on the, on the trains. You know, yeah. they, they find all types of ways to say it's wrong. It's dangerous, but it's literally just kids dancing. Yeah. And you notice it's always black kids dancing or, mm-hmm. or kids of color. You know, uh, I, I'm pretty sure they're around, but I've never seen a white child <laughs> as a, a showtime dancer, you know? <laughs> so it, it feels like an unfortunate target yeah. against um, children of color, almost the same as, when they would try to bring these laws, trying to dictate the way a child of color should be dressing, mm-hmm. you know? And um, so I just felt like if he's going to be meeting a group of, of children of color and dancing with them and spending time, he's going to unfortunately deal with the realities of racism, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, there's, we know the situation with cops. They come in, uh, a lot of them very, privileged and using their power mm-hmm. as a way to one up somebody. Yeah. And I felt like it, it made sense to sort of have is not a deal with it, but also mm-hmm. with the fact that he's also an outsider. He has no idea what this is yeah. that he's dealing with, you know? And so when they have the conversation with him afterwards about mm-hmm. race, it's something that he has to process because he's never ever had to deal with anything like it, you know, and to yeah. the point where he sort of, it's not, it's like we see it trickling in his head, but he's still not fully fathoming it. But yeah. then towards the end, you see how much it actually does play a part in how he views the world now a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of goes for all of us when we kind of witness something like that and we, you know, things like that kind of change our mind. But th- that's that's not the only kind of thing that you have in this book. You have uh, some fun portions. You have some really cool stuff, some really uh, really awesome cultural uh, type stuff. Uh, can you speak on that a little bit about that in this book? I know uh, in the first book there was, there was uh, some really great stuff as well. Um, but I want to know uh, uh, how you kind of threw that in here as well as kind of American culture as well because now he's in New York. Yeah, so um, 
it's, it's, you know, just like I said earlier, a lot of this series that I'm doing, I just like to cover a lot of aspects of just black culture, mm-hmm. you know, so um, I'm always doing a lot of research on uh, different aspects when it comes to folklore and stories and mythology and figures and trying to figure out ways that I can bring them into the fold mm-hmm. because I feel like, um, like me, I, I hope other black people can learn these things because we're unfortunately almost shielded away from learning about a lot of uh, various black cultures, you know, yet it's our culture, mm-hmm. but it's like us finding strength and knowledge from it is, seems to be such a, a hindrance. And I want to sort of break that sort of uh, that field that, that standing in front of us with that. And hopefully that it, it builds interest in terms of the, this book, you know, I, I grew up in New York city all my life. You know, uh, kids who speak like this. I have students who speak like this. I have students who um, I, I enjoy just watching kids be kids. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's funny because there are times when I'm with some of my friends and there's a group of kids just playing around and having fun. And sometimes they get like, a, oh, my God, type of thing. But yeah. for me, it's like I get a lot of joy watching because I remember when I was their yeah. age doing the same thing and we mm-hmm. weren't bad. We were just kids expressing ourselves you know and i wanted the book to sort of be a tribute to those type of kids and uh, a tribute to big down uh big dancers um and even students that i've had you know because some of my students were who actually inspired the story that's that's awesome uh yeah like back in the day um i i I wasn't a b-boy but i i in in uh, i i grew up in california and I grew up in a small, small farming town and uh, they didn't see a lot of people kind of, you know, doing anything different. So uh, I, I liked a lot of skateboarding and punk rock. So I'm already a, a, a young Mexican boy who is already going going against what what his culture is by liking punk rock and 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 being involved in that subculture and skateboarding and all that stuff um so already i'm getting kind of the brunt of 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 some kind of racism from uh my own people who are like you should be mexican you should act like it. You should listen to our music. You should be all about our culture, which I was. I, you know, my parents spoke Spanish and, and we had the culture in our lives, but I, it was what I chose. I chose a subgenre to, to kind of, you know, express myself. And, and, and I got it from everywhere. And it's, and it's unfortunate that, that we see this in, in, in our lives where, kids want to express themselves in a way instead of us kind of letting them do that and 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 be creative we have to kind of shut it down and um it's 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 a it's a it's out there man and i i i i find myself doing that too sometimes with my kids uh, and and i stop and i think oh man this is what they were doing to me when i was their age I need to chill out and I need to let my kids be expressive in their own way so that they can, you know, it's, it's all about creativity and it's all about opening and expanding your mind a little bit and, and see what they can do with it. Um, did, was there something like that in your life when you were younger where you expressed your way in, in a, in a way, in a, in a different way that, you know, um, maybe people didn't see that was that was right or wrong or something like kind of like what they these kids here in the in isnana well uh growing up i was definitely 
I've definitely felt like an oddball within uh, some of my friends or, or generally, I guess, some of the community that I was growing up with. And like, I was definitely into rock music. I was into the hard rock um, type of stuff. Mm-hmm. I dressed in all black. I went through my whole goth phase <laughs> with the with the, the nails and and yeah. uh, the, the spikes. Um, <laughs> I was skateboarding before it became like a cool thing for black folks to do. Like, yeah. I definitely would get a lot of, um, you do know you're black, right? And I got it from <sighs> yeah. white folks and black folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when, after I had graduated high school and I came back and because of uh, Lupe Fiasco, he did a uh, kick push and he was mm-hmm. really pushing a lot of black folks doing, you know, uh, skateboards and stuff like that. When I went yeah. back to, to my high school and he had all these kids now with skateboards and I was like, what the hell were y'all when I was here? <laughs> you know, and I was, you know, and <laughs> I know. So it's now I feel like there's um, over time, there's been a, uh, seeing a lot more uh, black kids being more expressive in yeah. uh in what they wear and how they and what they what they consume and stuff so mm-hmm. it's been a lot of fun uh even me as an adult watching that because it, it just makes me feel good like um like it's it's a gradual process yeah you know and it's the same like it's just it's just cool for me to watch uh, but i definitely definitely experienced a lot of that um luckily my I wouldn't say my parents had uh, tried to suppress some of it. Um, although, as an adult, once in a while, I like I think I painted my fingernails black uh-huh. a few months ago. And my mom was like, "Oh my god, no!" You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a little bit of that. <laughs> I know back in the day, my mom, my uh, my parents were like they they wanted to suppress it a little bit, but now my mom's like all about it. She's always telling me, "Hey, man, just let them come on." Remember when you used to color your hair? Like just just let them be. I'm like, all right. I, and and now I've become I've become that that parent that or that that grown up who's like wanting to suppress it. Why are you guys being so weird? Kind of a thing. And I'm like, oh man, I'm the guy. I'm that freaking guy that says, get off my lawn. You know what I mean? <laughs> All right, man. Let's let's take a small break here. Uh, when we get back from the break, I need to know a little bit about your process, about your how you how you go about uh, creating this stuff. Um, because it's such a big, uh, prevalent thing in the, um, the comic book community that I've got so many friends who's, who's talked about your book and I want to know why that is and how, and how you go about it and how something, how you create this. So when we get back, let's talk about your creative process. Sounds good. All right. And we're back and I'm, I'm still talking to Greg here about Isnana. And, uh, before the break, we wanted to, t- I wanted to ask you a question. I want to know your creative process. I know everybody out there is kind of dying. We already talked a, bit, a little bit about your background and, and how you grew up and how all that good stuff. But I need to know how you go about uh, creating something. Do you do you keep journals? Uh, do you you know stop the car when you think of a of a story and just write it down, throw it in your phone? How do you how do you go about this? <laughs> I definitely keep journals um, everywhere I go. I carry a notebook with me. Awesome. Uh, I have my phone as well. So if I get too lazy to even open up my bag, I'll <laughs> my, go into my notes. Um, I got my Google Docs ready. I got yeah. my, like, I, whatever way I can write, um, I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, my process, though, it's, it's, 
I write whatever excites me at the moment. Okay. You know, like sometimes I'll have a, I do have a gig that I have to, I have to be on schedule for a uh-huh. deadline, but even within those deadlines, I write uh, whatever excites me at the moment because mm-hmm. I've noticed some people, they get stuck when they try to write everything in the order of what they have in mind for their story. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, I like to keep it as exciting as I can. So I'll plot out some ideas that I have and maybe a, a slight uh, spine or backbone, mm-hmm. but whatever, whatever scene is like, okay, this is, I want to write this dialogue. I want to write this action scene. I want to write this, this moment. I will focus on just that moment and write it out. And then f- afterwards I will start piecing everything together like a puzzle until it gets to the structure that I actually want or feel like works. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always tend to, I have like a couple of, uh, friends who I respect their opinions, uh, who will give me honest feedback all the time. Even if, if they don't like something, if it's not working, they'll let me know. And then Mm -hmm. I'll try to see how I can probably rework it, but still keep in the essence of what I actually want to do. Um, and also understand that not everyone is going to like everything that I want to do or understand everything. But after, I'd say I I tend to write maybe three or four, sometimes even five different drafts before I'm actually fully satisfied. And um, sometimes the draft, another draft or two happens after the the pencils come in. And that's awesome, actually, because I've heard that a handful of people uh, like to keep journals and stuff like that. and, And they have many different ways. And one thing doesn't work for everybody. Is there something that you do that, that works for you that you may think is kind of odd or, or other people may think is odd that would never work for them? Uh, I definitely, I definitely feel like the, the working out of order thing, because mm. I've, I brought it up to a couple of people who told me they had writer's block or mm. they told me about the way they write. And some, sometimes it's just like, why would you do it that way? <laughs> <laughs> um, and honestly, it's just, I don't know. It, it just works uh, very well for me and to the point where I don't really experience a writer's block like that. Okay. You know, I know I, and I've, I have experienced writer's block in the past, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's, it goes right back to uh, w- wanting to write what I want to write at that moment. Yeah. You know? And uh, whatever excites me. And if I do feel a writer's block, I would just think of, all right, let me just focus on something else. So I'll, I'll just jump into something that excites me if it's reading or or watching something that's similar to what I have in mind that I'm working on. Maybe that can help add some juice uh, to my brain. But aside from that, it's, it's, I don't, I don't fully think too much on um, what some people may think is weird. (laughs) I just, (laughs) because if it works for me and it seems like it's been working for me very well, then I'm just going to keep doing what I do. So, so how, uh, speaking on writer's block, uh, uh, how do you find yourself getting out of that? I know you said that you kind of just watch a couple of things that might kind of express, uh, help you express yourself a little bit more, but is there, is there like a, like an exercise maybe that you do or, or, or do you just, you know, stop all your projects and just kind of write something that, you know, just for yourself? Um, I, cause t- today I, I was, I was looking through Twitter and the reason why I'm asking this, is I was looking through Twitter and somebody asked, Hey, you know, creators, you know, show me some of your work, uh, that you've been working on that is not 
an intellectual property that is not something that you've got on a deadline, but something that is fun that you've done just for yourself. And I, and I don't know if a lot of people do that because if they got work going on and they got deadlines and stuff, they're working on that. And I feel like sometimes maybe, you know, you kind of get in this rhythm of getting, getting that kind of work out there. And, and, you know, I know these creators, I know you do it for fun. Um, do you have to find yourself to kind of like step away from that every, every once in a while and kind of do something for fun? Yeah. I mean, um, I, I try to have fun with almost everything that I do. Mm-hmm. You know, even if it's uh, a hired work that I have to do, uh, sometimes the work could be fun, but dealing with some of the people behind the scenes <laughs> may take some of the yeah. fun out of it, you know, but uh, for the most part, I I try my best to say yes to a project if there's something in it that I, I feel mm-hmm. like is very worthwhile for me and very uh, creatively rewarding. You know, and, and yeah. I feel like if I get stuck, um, as I said, I just try to find something within that work that yeah. will excite me at the moment. Sometimes it could even just be, I'm going to pit these two characters together and just have them speak to each other. And I'll just have that dialogue running. Whether I use it or not, mm-hmm. it's, it doesn't matter. Um, and I also don't write uh, towards perfection. You know, um, yeah. I'm not... I'm, 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 I'm a perfectionist to a limit. Like I know yeah. when to just say, all right, it's there. I leave it alone. But at the same mm-hmm. time, I feel like a lot of mistakes show up and those mistakes end up being very happy accidents. Yeah. I hear that quite a bit. A lot of people uh, talk about, you know, oh, there's, there's been moments where I've written something and I really hated it or I showed it to my editor and they're like, you know, work on this, you know, go off of this part because this is, this is going somewhere. Uh, you know, and, and that could be something that you were like, ah, uh, that was that part that I was like, I didn't know that that was going to go somewhere. They're like, no, do this, this, and this. And then it kind of changes the creator's mind. And you're like, oh, okay, now I see where you're going and where you're coming from. That can, that can work way better than what the idea that I had. Um, and so I've talked to guys who've said that quite a bit. Um, so I need to know, uh, uh, what else are you working on right now, man? I know you're working, you got this kickstart going on, but is there anything else that you're actually able to talk to us about? Oh, uh, what can I talk about? What can I, talk about? <laughs> I know I, I, gotta, I put you on the spot, uh, man. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> I got a, a couple of anthologies that I'm a part of, okay. um, some, uh, I don't, uh, some of them, like the titles of the anthology is just slipping my mind right now. It's all good. Uh, but there is one that Matt Miner is the editor for, okay. uh, one of the head editors. I, I think it's called Better Tomorrow. Uh, I just, I just, uh, sent the last draft of the lettering script to them. Uh, I think it was last night, which, uh, Ray Anthony Height is, uh, doing the art for, which looks amazing. Awesome. Uh, I am a part of uh, that. Oh my God. What is it called? It's a noir anthology that uh, Fabrice Sapolsky, who is one of the creators of Spider-Man noir that he's doing, which covers a lot of work for uh, various black. Comic oh creators. yeah. It's, it's a Kickstarter that he's doing where he's got tons of, uh, tons of uh, black creators on it. Right. Yeah. I'm one yeah. of them. And that's been awesome. In my email asking me greg where's your pitch so i'm just like ah i got it. <laughs> yeah he actually so, he actually text texted me a while but he's like hey joey check this out i've got this uh, kickstart going on 
And I was like, I was like, who's texting me from this weird number? And it's like, Hey Joey, it's Fabrice. I was like, Oh, what's going on, man? I didn't, I'm like, that's pretty freaking cool. Like this, I got a freaking text from Fabrice Sapolsky, man. <laughs> how, how often does that happen? Right. I mean, it probably happens to you guys a lot more, but I'm just a freaking podcaster, man. So <laughs> I thought that was stinking cool. Um, but yeah, he was like, check this out. I was actually trying to look for the, the text, uh, to give you the name of the, of the book. Um, but, um, yeah, dude, that was a super cool project. I want to, I kind of want to check it out myself because, uh, I did back his, um, one hit wonder and, uh, and that should be in the mail very, very soon. And, uh, and he was like, dude, check this out. You're going to love this. It's awesome. All kinds of really cool black artists and creators are going to be jumping on this. Um, I love the idea. I'm on board. Once it hits, dude, I'm on board for this thing because it, it, I looked at through the, through the uh, names of the list of people who were on there. I was like, ah, oh, I have to because it's just, it's cool, man. I'm going to go freaking broke on these Kickstarters, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm with you. Don't worry. It's not, it's not just you. It's me. It's a whole <laughs> bunch of us. Like the last few days have just been me backing a couple people's uh, projects. Unfortunately, I've just have, I've been having to do, only the PDFs um, uh-huh. because I just, I've run out of space in my place, <laughs> you know, and it's just like, I can't, I, it's, this is a weird addiction that I have. I, dude, isn't it? <laughs> I'm the same way. Like my, my wife the other day, she's like, she's like, uh, my son brings in a, 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 a something from the mail and she's like, what did you, what did you uh, kickstart now? <laughs> I'm like, no, no, it's not that. I was like, and now I look at it. I was like, oh yeah, you're right. It's a, it's a kickstarter that I did a few months back. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, that's how it is. Like, I got a freaking addiction too, dude. And that's why I started this show. Cause I was like, I got to talk to these people about this, this stuff. Cause I want to know a little bit about, about their background and how they go about this. I do want to ask you one last thing before we go into, um, um, asking you about all your social media and where they can got to check your Kickstarter out and all that stuff. But before we go, uh, can you, uh, what, what kind of advice would you give, uh, somebody who is, is trying to be successful, uh, where you've been successful in the, in the comic book industry. Um, I would say just, uh, do a lot of research, do a lot of reading. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, look, I'd say, look at the ones that, that you do admire, see what they do, you know, read, read their works, try to gain some knowledge in what ways can you craft your own sort of work while staying true to who you are mm-hmm. and uh, your own, you know, skills. Um, even like looking through Kickstarters, just look through their campaigns, the way they, they structured everything, see mm-hmm. exactly what works for them. Why, why do you have people coming, you know, to their page and so on and so forth. And a lot of it is yeah. just knowing to stand your ground, you know, know who you are, know what you want to tell, but at the same time, be adaptable. That is some great advice. Uh, and, and th- uh, that's great, man. That's awesome. Um, I found, I found the, the text. <laughs> uh, he said the, 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 uh, Kickstarter that features, uh, it's 13 noir stories from 25 black creators. It's called Noir is the no, the new black. Sorry. Yes. Noir is new black. Yeah. Yeah. So that one sounded really cool when he talked to me about it. I was like, dude, heck yeah, I'm on on board with this one. Once it kickstarts, I'm all over it. Uh, you know, 13 stories, 25 black creators. Noir is the new black. So check that out. 
uh, you're on this, this Kickstarter, you're on this, this book. So, and you got a long, a laundry list of awesome, awesome black creators as well. So, um, I don't, I, I, I should, should have been prepared and looked up the, the names, but my bad. Anyway, man, Greg, I appreciate <laughs> you coming on, hanging out with me, dude. Um, is, is where can everybody find your Kickstarters, your social media, your websites, uh, what's on your websites, you know, all that, all that good stuff. This is the time to drop your plug. <laughs> all right. Well, easy way to find this recent Kickstarter. Just go on Google and type in is Nana, the where spider showtime. It should be the first uh, link that you see. You'll be brought to the Kickstarter um, for my web story where you'll find pretty much everything is Nana from, uh, the books, PDFs, t-shirts, trading cards. It's uh webway comics dot ecwid.com. Uh, if you want to find me on Twitter, G R E G A N D E L Y S E E and, uh, Greg day D A E, um, for IG. Awesome. Awesome, man. <clears throat> I appreciate you coming on and hanging out with me, dude. This was a lot of fun kind of knowing a little bit about your process and uh, about your background, dude. I didn't know that about you, that you were a skateboarder and got into some goth stuff, dude. That's kind of cool. Yeah, man. I, there's, and it's funny. There's like no <laughs> pictures of that because that was like when I was in my grumpy, don't take a picture of your face. <laughs> Same here. And now... <laughs> I regret it because I'm like, yo, right. I wish I could show people. <laughs> Dude, I'm the same way. Like, like my, I, I tell my kids and my, my wife, they know that, that I was a punk rocker. Well, I, I feel, I still, I'm still punk rock at heart, man. I just don't dress like that. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, I, I was like, man, we barely took any pictures because we were like, anybody who wanted to take our pictures, we were like, no, get our, get your camera out of my face. We don't want that. What the heck? And, and now, now I regret it, man, because, I had some freaking cool hairstyles. I had some, some, you know, some cool threads, dude. Unless uh, I really wish that I would have had pictures of that part of my life. <laughs> yep. Same here, man. Same here. So many regrets. That, but right. Live and learn, man. Exactly. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks for hanging out with me uh, right here on the house of indie. We'll talk to you next time. Everybody go out there. Check out. It's not a showtime on Kickstarter. Head on over to his website. Check it out. He's got some great stuff there. I'm telling you guys, uh, you're not going to want to sleep on this one. I read that. I read through it. I, I looked through it. It's such a cool thing. Colors. We didn't get to talk about anybody else that was on the book, but, uh, the oh, awesome, awesome team you got going on on this book as well. Uh, you know what? Go for it, man. Just drop a drop, yes, drop sir. everybody who's on the, on the book really quick just before we go. Please, please. Yes. I appreciate that. So, uh, Miguel Blanco, man, we've been boys for a couple of years now. Uh, when I was looking for artists for this particular story, I knew I, I wanted somebody that was from the city, you know, who knew yeah. New York culture, who knew Philly. And he was like the perfect, perfect guy to jump on board. And he um, I, I sometimes try to make a, a deal with myself not to work with friends on certain <laughs> uh, projects because I've had some really bad um, luck with that. But I'm very fortunate that things worked out with me and him when it came to this. Um, Angel Davis Cooper, she came on board with the colors. It was the first time that we worked together and just, we just had a great, great vibe. And she really, really added some wonderful dimensions to Miguel's, yeah. uh, you know, like killed it, really it, killed it on the colors, man. Yeah, man. And, and it's, it's, I'm always hyping her up as much as I can mm -hmm. on, on her, on her messages, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, 
And uh, we got Deron Bennett, who's like this freaking Eisner nominated freaking letterer, man. I love that guy. So freaking yeah. chill. Um, yeah. He yeah. Does, he's, he's the owner of uh, End World uh, Designs. So mm-hmm. he's been freaking, I've been very fortunate to have him. He really adds the, those final, final touches. Yeah. Um, we also have David Brim. Once again, I've worked with David on a couple of his novel stories. He does like a very short sort of a bonus story. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's freaking amazing. He's one of the most um, diverse artists that I've ever worked with. You know, he can yeah. do anything and his layouts are amazing. Um, and then finally we have Kari Randolph, who's like freaking Mr. Superstar, um, <laughs> you know, from uh, Excellence in Black, We Are Robin, Mosaic. He's been yeah. working for Marvel and DC forever. Um, and he jumped on board to do the cover and I was just extremely grateful for that. That's awesome, dude. Uh, what a great team. Uh, and, and it definitely shows in this book, uh, uh, everything from the colors to the letters, to the story, all, all on point, man. Super cool. You guys, you guys got a, you guys got another one here. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Thanks man for hanging out with me here. Uh, we will uh, talk to you guys next time. This is a really, really cool special episode. I'm going to drop this one in two in a week. Uh, so you guys are lucky. You're getting another one uh, right here on the House of Indy. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Thanks again for listening to the House of Indy. My name is Joey Galvez, and I'll see you later. Mm-hmm.